you made it to level two, deeper questions leading to deeper answers. I'm Tomas Garza, and I'm here to help you decide to transform. I'll be setting the pace for the process to support your unfolding. Learn and commit to a practice that brings simplicity and an awareness of what is ready to be released. Join me now and allow the experience of a deeper sense of love. Hello and welcome to Decide to Transform. I'm your host, Tomas Garza, and we have a very special, very high energy and very impactful guest interview in store for you today. Joining me all the way from New Zealand is Dr. Stefan Neff. Now, Stefan and I are co-authors of the book that's been recently published, Breakdown to Wake Up. I should say we're not the only two co-authors. We're joined by 14 of our other esteemed colleagues from all over the world. Now, the book, the compilation, Breakdown to Wake Up, is a very hard-hitting read full of people's life transformational stories. Uh, I had the pleasure to be interviewed on Stefan's podcast, A Different Life Story, which aired very recently here. Now we'll be talking a little bit about podcasting and the podcast journey, but Stefan is an anesthetist, an author, and an alcoholic in recovery. After studying medicine in Heidelberg, Germany, he traveled and worked in Europe and Australia before settling down with his family in beautiful New Zealand. As a retired pain physician, he developed a specific insight into human psychology. As a man trying to drown his sorrows, he found out the hard way that the critters can swim. But over the last seven years, he made every day a little bit better than yesterday. Now today, Stefan is an expert in living life so fantastically that alcohol has simply no role at all to play. He shares this passion through his podcast, his YouTube channel, and other social media, all titled A Different Life Story. In his book, My Steps to Sobriety, he shares the lessons he has learned as a doctor and as a man, and the truth is simple. The past does not equal the future. Every alcoholic can turn his or her life around one decision at a time. And his book shows how to do it. So too does his podcast and this chapter in Breakdown to Wake Up, which is wonderful. Stefan, welcome to the show here. Oh, thank you very much for having me. It is an honor. Thank you very much, Tomas. It's a pleasure to have you. And I had such a good time and such an in-depth conversation with you on your show a few weeks ago that I'm, I'm very excited that you've joined me here. Now, we talked in the intro about Breakdown to Wake Up, which has been recently published. And every single person that has contributed a chapter has been highly vulnerable and exposed themselves to the nth degree, really, in, in many cases. Mm -hmm. And what I wanted to do is just lead off with the writing process of your chapter in this book, Breakdown to Wake Up. So for the listener, how did you experience this? What was this like for you to write? <laughs> <laughs> It's a very good question uh, because, as as everything, it is an absolute roller coaster of emotions, mm -hmm. and uh, talk about the scariest roller coaster you can find. That's 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 nothing in comparison to writing about the past where you were full of guilt and shame, where essentially all the negative emotions were driving you to do the things that you did, in my case, really drown my sorrows with alcohol. And therefore, even if you think you got your ducks in a row, and even if you think that you have actually uh, put things to bed, you haven't, you haven't. You, you dealt with some of the, the things, but things come back out again. And it was, it's amazing. 
when you go into depth again into your own history how suddenly your mind focuses on another little vignette and another little story that you actually had forgotten about and suddenly it comes back up and and like like the me driving to the rehab hospital with my family in the car i was sitting in the passenger seat and i had been driving forever uh in as part of my job I mean, okay. driving oh. ten thousands of miles a, a year mm-hmm. and but always in the driver's seat and now to be in a passenger seat and it, this was a, a metaphor which was actually so true okay. because i was no longer in control i was not in control of my life i was not in control of the car at this moment in time i was not in control of my future because my wife had behind my back admitted me to the rehab hospital and we were on the journey there and it is it is uh that that particular thing had suddenly such a meaning for me so whenever you you address a painful period in your life it is amazing what transformation happens by just writing things down by just going through them again so i found writing my initial book my steps to sobriety um as as incredibly cathartic i guess Uh, uh, cleansing painful (laughs) but also beautiful and I knew I did it for the single most important reason. If I had gone through so much pain, let's actually make that meaningful. If I've just had all this pain and then I dealt with it somehow and that's it, well, that doesn't make sense to me. And then when my wife one day said, like, why don't you write a book? I said, mm, I'm not sure I put myself out there this much. Okay. And then I slept on it and started tentatively writing and whoa, I couldn't stop. And it was brutal because those six months when I initially wrote my steps to sobriety, wow, did I go through again, every single steps of the 12 steps and I discovered new things and, and new, new, mm, new traumatic things that I thought I had dealt with and suddenly they came back out and I thought what are you where are you coming from I thought I had dealt with you and so it was that that journey up and down and so whenever you do that this kind of writing process it brings out a lot of things because suddenly you put your emotions into words and put the words onto paper that's where the power of journaling is so great because if you can actually write something down suddenly it stares at you back and you think huh okay and suddenly there are these aha moments so i had that when i initially wrote my steps to sobriety and i had exactly the same thing again when i wrote my my contribution to this beautiful book uh that uh, breakdown to wake up so it is it is a very interesting journey it's not a pretty journey because my life was not pretty so therefore me writing about it brought back up some of the old trauma that i had thought i had dealt with mm-hmm. yes and and i think that um, you speak for just about every author you certainly speak for me when you say that the process of writing this chapter brought up stuff that that I certainly thought personally I had dealt with. Now, for those listening, these the book was published in November of 2020. So it's very recent. We're recording here in January of 2021. And this was a, a very recent thing. Um, I wrote in my own chapter about an event that took place over a period of years well prior to 2020. So how far removed were you from the events of going to rehab and the writing of the chapter last year? Well, day 2513 is today. So, (laughs) so Uh I'm, I'm, Uh as, as a, as an alcoholic, we often count our sobriety days. 
And in all fairness, I can't count this far, so I've got a little app that tells yeah. me which day is that. Is that? But There's it an is app for that. Perfect. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So, I, but yeah. I like it because it is. It shows me that I had two thousand five hundred thirteen chances to turn my life around, and that is just in days. If yeah. you look at it ten times, what is it? Eighty-eight thousand seconds, because that's that's what uh, a a life is all about. It's a it's a series of opportunities to make decisions, and each decision mm-hmm. builds on top of each other. Yeah. So you can decide to get absolutely hammered, <laughs> and then you can decide to have the hangover, and then you can decide to try to hide the alcohol, and then you can decide all that. These are all decisions, ultimately. They um, are. Uh, so, and I strongly believe in that nowadays. I believe in the principle of extreme ownership and that yeah. you write the next chapter in your story. No one else forces you to do certain things. Now, okay, I give you that right now, these are strange times. Um, if you're in quarantine in around this yeah. world, then yes, you are forced to be in quarantine. Which brings its own trauma and its own on uh, insecurities and mm, and, sure. and concerns. So there are certain things you can't do anything about, but there is a lot to be said about your choice how to deal with those life challenges. Yes, you can ha- put your head in the sand, the proverbial ostrich, or uh, right. yes. you you can actually say, "Whoa, this is very strange." I'm sitting at home. Instead of saying, oh my God, well, boring, you could say, well, <laughs> actually, what are the things that I have never done? What project do I want to do now? Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, here in New Zealand, after after five weeks of quarantine, there was not a single man's shed that was not completely restructured. There was not a single, you know, <laughs> men did a lot of, and, and I'm, I'm saying men here for the sake of it, uh, a, a lot of people did exactly that. Mm, we, yes. they, they used it as a, as a chance to relook at their life. So instead of being something very, very bad, they took it as a challenge and rose from that. Mm-hmm. So there was a big transformation in many people that I spoke to uh, in after the five weeks of quarantine. So mm-hmm. that is an example. You write the next chapter. And that is what, what I have learned to, to, to do. I love this. And this fits in perfectly well with the title of your chapter, A Phoenix Must Also Burn. Did I get that right? Yes, I believe so. And and with that is the the rising and the fire of that, the, the pain of transformation. So I think that symbol is absolutely perfect. And that uh, you do write the next chapter in your story. Now, quite clearly, on day 2,513, congratulations on that. First of all, that's, that's, that's wonderful. How many years actually is that? <laughs> Give or take seven. Seven, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah I just, uh, I wasn't able to do that math. Math quickly. <laughs> not in my that's head. okay. That's okay. This is not a math test here. No, and there are no, no prizes for, for that. <laughs> I love that. Well, and I also love for those that are bogged down by counting that high that there's an app for it. I mean, there really literally is an app for that, for everything. Yes. So take us back then to the moment that you were talking about when you were riding in the car on your way to rehab with your family. What was going through your mind at that moment? It was probably a sense of relief. Although you have to say that I was just coming down off alcohol. So my last hangover, so to speak, was on the Wednesday morning. Uh, we were driving up to Auckland on a Friday morning. So it was 48 hours or yeah, thereabouts uh, mm. into a withdrawal. And I didn't think that I had a withdrawal, but it was it was a mild withdrawal because sure. my blood pressures were through the roof and mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it was. It was what it was. You can't drink like a fish for years, and then expect to suddenly stop and everything is fine. So whilst I was not not seeing pink elephants, um, I was probably bodily in a very strange position in a, in a strange state okay my mind was full of shame mm. full of guilt okay full of oh my god um but at the same token i was there was a, a resolution there was a, a a a certain degree of gratefulness that okay i now potentially could deal with with the pain. Mm. I couldn't at on the day. I would have not been able to to verbalize it like that. But with hindsight, there was. I was glad that someone took the reins, and forced me to to step up and do something about the mess in my emotions, the mm. the pain, and. Yeah, but as I said, on the day, I, I had no idea. It was just so strange. Okay. You've got all these these kind of visions and you've got things that you've seen in, in Hollywood films and, and you think, mm, oh, yes. God. So it's such an uncertainty. It's such a weird thing. And it is, it's scary. Uh, mm. It's incredibly scary, the uncertainty. Yet I was actually silently embracing it. Okay. That, that's very interesting that it was scary, yet you were embracing it. You used the word relieved. Um, how long had your wife contemplated having you sent to, to rehab before she actually did that? Do you know? I can't answer that. Uh, she, I would have said uh, days to actually come up with that plan but she had been a heavy drinker herself. Oh. But then she found she found Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. uh, and with her church community, she decided, "Now nah, I can stop drinking." I always called it a white knuckling uh, alcoholic. Called her so. Um, okay. White knuckling in in this circumstance means that you actually haven't dealt with the underlying reasons why mm. you are drinking but you have made the resolution no i do not drink now in she is she is a fantastic woman and she did the journey the same journey as i did ultimately but in a much slower uh, pace I see. so it is uh, a rehab for those of you out there listening a rehab is something that should be mandatory for every 16 or 18 year old in school, you go one month to rehab, full stop, no, no excuses. Because it is in rehab that I learned so much about myself, about my emotions, about what drives me, why I make the decisions that I make, why do I have a row with my wife more or less regularly, why, you know, all these things. You explore the deepest inner part of yourself and therefore you shine light into these, these torture chambers that are your mind and then suddenly you realize what is happening. And then when I came home, fast forward, I was a very different man. And my yes. family was quite gobsmacked after four weeks, <sighs> the transformation that I had done, just the little things, the way I was dealing with things was, was so different. Mm -hmm. So therefore it is that the rehab in its own right was incredibly painful, incredibly beautiful. It was such a journey, but it was a transformation on steroids because I had all the right people to help me. I had okay. a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a case manager, uh, all the, the staff in there were all um, ex-alcoholics or ex-druggies. Uh, and it was just the most beautiful thing. Okay. So in everyone there was living a life, a beautiful life. And they showed us every single day by their actions that you can live a life 
that is fulfilling and, and gorgeous, mm-hmm. despite the fact that you did things that were not so nice and that you're not so proud of in the past. <laughs> So yes. it, that was the ah, the, the, oh, that was such a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful experience for me. This is it's very interesting because you talk about this in your chapter about the credibility that a lot of the people at the rehab center had because they had lived a, an experience very similar to yours. They had been an alcoholic or an addict of some kind and experienced this, a similar sort of pain and, and guilt, shame, whatever the emotions are. And uh, that's um, and you you go on to describe in in great detail, which is it makes for a great read, by the way, very hard hitting about how you were resistant, especially at first, which is would be absolutely natural, I would think. Of course, of course. Hey, I'm a doctor. I know best. I'm a man. Of course I know everything. I'm the fixer. And as an anesthetist, that's your role. Whatever happens, you fix it. I just so happen to fix it with drugs. So whatever happens in emergency, I've got the drug for it. Now, it's a logical step, therefore, for an anesthetist also to reach for drugs or alcohol in that matter um, when you're coming to a problem in your own life. So that's a subconscious kind of thing that happens for us. So it is, uh, it is, we are, we are weird animals. That's, that's the only thing I can say. I have um, to agree. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And we are so driven by our, by our emotions. Uh, it is so bizarre. And, and to go into rehab to actually explore that. We had, we had every, every morning at 10 o'clock, there was a session called Emotions. And it was the most dreaded dreaded rehab uh, thing that there could be because you were sitting in a room circle so in a big circle and there was one moderator there the rule was no hats no sunglasses nothing in your hands you're just sitting there for an hour okay and he would actually not say a thing and you would think, oh. and you knew you had to talk about your emotions. If you you didn't have to, but you know this was all about your emotions, like it mm-hmm. or lump it, right? And often enough, for many painful seconds, no one said a word. And then suddenly, someone said something, and suddenly, sometimes the feathers flew because there was people were going against each other because someone took one mass bar too many from the from the fridge oh crap like that or or people just had frictions with each other from from something else or someone just broke completely down and and cried and it was amazing the amount of emotions that suddenly came out and people actually dealt with them and that was what that session was all about to a recognize what is happening in you to verbalize it and then to take that as a chance to be able to deal with it. No one, no one was offering solutions for it, but it was more like a, like a discovery, like a treasure Mm -hmm. hunt, literally uh, these kind of, these kind of times where you set aside an hour a day to explore what was really going on in yourself. And how cool is that? When was the last time that you guys out there have done that? And that's sort of where, where stepping out of the rat race is so important. That's yes. one of the things that you learn to, to, to seek silence and solace, to switch off your, your social media, to switch off everything and right. actually sit in the spa and, or in, in, in the sunshine, have a cup of tea in your hand, just close your eyes and see what kind of thoughts come to you and say, oh, it's interesting, where do you come from, you thought? And just try to let that develop. Um, and these kind of things, we, we, I never had done that in my life prior to rehab. Oh. So there I was suddenly mm-hmm. confronted with emotions that were bottled up or that, were, that I actively hit with too much work in the daytime and too much alcohol at nighttime so mm-hmm. that I had, didn't have to 
to deal with these emotions. Right. So strange. Oh. Well, I can only imagine that in that session, it would be a strange experience. And oh my God, I had no idea that was going to come up type. Yes. And, and what led you to begin drinking in the first place? Do you suppose what, what, what was, what led you to that? As bef- I mean, I'm a child, I was born 1966. So mm-hmm. in, when I was a teenager, it was the 80s in Germany. And in Germany, there's a, there's a good going drinking culture. A lot of people say it was actually a nice drinking culture. So alcohol is part and parcel of your life. And I, there are not too many alcoholics apparent in daily life. I now know, yes, they are there and they are hiding so well in plain sight, like we all did. I was a high functioning alcoholic. So, and again, there was every country is saturated with us. So um, coming from Germany, alcohol played a role in my youth, but just, I wouldn't, I didn't drink much in my teens. Okay. I was actually very focused on sport. I was focused on martial arts. I was, uh, yeah, I was very focused until I went to university. Okay. And then suddenly I discuss, discovered the girls and then I discovered a bar. We had a student bar uh, in our student accommodation. And for a very cheap price, we could have some fantastic cocktails. Uh-huh. Oh, boy. Um, and I think that's where where I saw suddenly the beauty in using alcohol to reduce my inhibitions, to let my hair down, give me three, four drinks and a guitar. And hey, we are having a great time. Mm-hmm. I can't sing, but that didn't matter. Um, I was just giving it all and my passion came out. And okay. for you know, I had two friends. We were all playing the guitars uh, together. God, we were like like moths to the flame for girls. Sure, we had a okay. very memorable trip to Spain, uh-huh. where we uh, just sort yes. of stopped the night uh, here somewhere on the beach, Beautiful. played the guitar, Beautiful. and oh right. God, we were never alone. It was that kind of thing, mm-hmm. and that showed me, wow, alcohol and me, a new person comes out. And okay. that new person was actually, uh, initially, it was a very, very nice person. Uh, it was a person I enjoyed. It was a person uh, who had a good time. Uh, and that was a time when I didn't yet have uh, hangovers from hell. And mm, yes. uh, there was a time when <laughs> I didn't have too much pain. Okay? okay, it was, everything was still rosy colored. I knew I could I could take on the world. I was young, bulletproof, testosterone, you know, all that. Sure. And mm-hmm. then add the alcohol in, and it was nice. But I didn't do stupid things. Uh, but I certainly became a ladies' man when the alcohol was in. And yeah, that uh, was that. So uh, good times. But mm-hmm. of course, that that doesn't that doesn't stay for long because negative things do happen. It's inevitable that there will be challenges and trauma will come along. And I had never learned to deal with these things in a healthy way. So the only thing I could do, the only thing I knew how to do was to numb myself. That is really what the alcohol became, a numbing agent. Okay. And also, in all fairness, the other thing is, when I have three, four drinks, I wake up. So I would have worked 16 hours straight. I'm tired as hell. And three, four drinks later, I will be cleaning up the garage. I will be doing whatever, cooking okay. 20 meals or something like that. So it gave me that second wind, uh, which was beautiful. But the problem, of course, is now I was burning the candle, not just on two ends, I was burning it in the middle as well and I had a bit of a brush fire next to it. So no doubt that you, your body will soon rebel. 
So I think with hindsight, what I had was not just the hangovers the next day, but my body screaming in pain to actually say, what the hell are you doing? You're abusing me. I need rest. I need good nutrition. I need not just a bit of cheese on top of your wine. I need some vitamins. I need all that. Yes. Okay. Mm. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. And, and that's a, a trajectory that lasted decades. Yeah. Quite literally for you. So when you got to the point where you were in rehab, what would you describe or identify as the period where you really began to turn around? Was there a so-called bottom point where you then began to rise? What, would, what did that look like for you? I think that point came when my case manager asked me to write a letter to a certain institution that I had held accountable and, and responsible I for see. much of the pain in my life. And she asked me, well, um, I have a lunchtime one day, write this letter, write it succinct, write it in detail, etc. write everything down in that letter um, to this institution. Okay. And I went away and I wrote absolutely everything, everything that grieved me, everything that had happened, mm -hmm. the bullying, the, the, uh, all the, 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 the grief that I had experienced. And so the next day I came armed with, with several pieces of paper and I was ready to explain to my case manager, see, this is why I was drinking, this is it. Yes. And she took that piece of paper, quickly looked at it, then folded it neatly in half and put it aside. Now she said, you know, now that we have sort of looked at that, that's cool, let's talk about you. And I said, but, 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 but uh, no, 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 let's talk about the letter. No, no, no. She said, no, you've put that now to bed. Let's talk uh, about you. Mm -hmm. And I was gobsmacked and I was so angry with her. I was angry. Oh, I, I let rip next morning. You, you always had to, to, in the morning, eight o'clock, there was a quick motivational pep talk. And then there was a quick round the room. Hey, what did you learn yesterday? Tell mm -hmm. us a bit. And I led rip this cow. She look what she did to me. <laughs> and I okay. could read in, in the in the mm -hmm. eyes of my of the peers there, of the boss of the, the rehab hospital. They knew exactly what stage I was going through <laughs> in my in my grief. Mm -hmm. and, and and ah, it was beautiful. And then it took me a few days to suddenly realize what has happened, and to realize then with the other work that I was doing that I now suddenly worked at a much deeper level on my on my emotional limbic brain uh, okay. than actually the, all the, the, the regrets and the, uh, the, uh, the, the weird stuff that I was dealing with. And I was like a broken record. It was, oh, look what they did to me. And now I show them what they did to me. Now I have two bottles of vodka and I tell them, ha ha. Mm, yes. It was that bullshit. It was, yeah. oh my yeah. God. So, but that was that. And that was, I think, the turning point. Uh, and I say that now with a smile because it so derailed me. It's okay. so, I was so angry with this woman, at least for a few days. And then I saw the benefits of that exercise and uh -huh. yeah she was yeah she did exactly the right thing okay well and of course as you just mentioned they know exactly what they're doing at all times because uh -huh. having been through the process themselves <laughs> boom there they are <laughs> recognition now and you were the good thing is there's there's a saying you can't bullshit a bullshitter yes so that's they right. all they have all been there so they knew it themselves personally mm -hmm. they had made their journey they were on my yeah. journey just so yeah. much ahead in the path sure. so this was the beautiful thing they'd been through it and they'd attempted to bullshit their way out of every single thing as we do had been blocked <laughs> every single time as, as eventually happens and so you got out then now was it weird when you left rehab I mean, how was that transition back into life? 
on the other side. Yeah. And that's that's exactly it. It's it's a very strange thing okay. because you were in this protected bubble. Uh, Ultimately, mm-hmm. that is the first two weeks in in rehab. You're secluded. There is you don't have a phone. You don't have contact with the outside world. You okay. are uh, voluntarily admitted, but mm. there are rules. So basically, you you are taken out of your life. So therefore, you suddenly gain the distance, you gain new insights, and you could really focus on yourself. So I now had suddenly had this beautiful four-week holiday, which I probably wouldn't have taken this much time off anyhow uh, in at any time in my life. But here I was, four weeks holiday. Plus, in those four weeks, I had explored depths of my consciousness and subconsciousness that I would have never imagined. So I was a very changed man when I came home. Okay. And of course, yeah. the, mm-hmm. the, the cocky bastard in me, of course, expected the, the fanfari and, you know, the rose petals on the ground. Here's the changed man coming home. And in reality, no one really knew what happened to me. Okay. I was away, but for them, life continued. For them, mm-hmm. their daily grind continued. Their, they had no idea. The other thing is, I can say what I want. I mean, I've said it all before. Yes, darling, I will stop drinking. Of course, sure. I love you. Therefore, will I stop drinking? And eight hours later, I would hit the bottle again. So I've lied so many times to my family that, you know, what uh, talk is cheap. Right. And that's where living amends was the thing that I could do to actually show that I'm now a different person. Mm-hmm. So one of the, the pawns that were sticking pawns or, or fighting pawns in my family was the, the fact that my children never cleaned up. And okay. that, you know, I, I had a bee in my bonnet about the dirty kitchen. And it was weird. Uh, so often enough that led them to rouse when I was uh, angry with my children. And then when I came home, I started washing up. And probably my kids thought, what the heck? Um, So I actually put my money where my mouth is and Mm -hmm. I actually started doing things that just needed doing. So I suddenly became a different man and my actions spoke for me rather than my words. Okay. So rehab and, and recovery is all about actions and decisions and mindfulness. And I walked the walk and kept my mouth shut and that was by those actions did i gain the respect that i had craved for so hard beforehand and that i felt i had not been given right yes and it's a very different orientation to simply show up and then do it and live that like you said it's all about action so at what point did you begin then this public life that you now have with a published book now a a chapter in a compilation a podcast broadcast all over the world Hmm. what was that transition like into then beginning to speak your story Hmm. and experience I guess it started uh, uh, three, four, five years after rehab okay. when I, when people slowly realized that what journey I had and then asked me about, hey, I've got this granny who drinks far too much. Would you mind having a chat with her? Or, uh, you know, these kind of things. And it, it okay. I slowly became more outspoken there. I started to give lectures within the hospital talking about addiction. What is addiction? And talked about mental health, these kind of things. At that time, I sort of focused more on sobriety and on recovery and addiction issues. And that was sort of a very pleasant thing and in, intriguingly I've, I've don't know how many lectures I gave over my lifetime uh, it must be in the hundreds and these were the best attended lectures 
ever okay. uh, when I actually spoke <laughs> about addiction. So yes. I thought, hmm, okay, there is obviously something. And when I then looked at more closely at the figures and realized really probably one in three people here in New Zealand are chemically dependent and, and many of them addicted, sure. um, the figures are huge. So therefore, when I then started speaking out a little bit more, it was it was nice. It was actually a good feeling to start giving back and to be there for others and to actually show that you can live a life that is very, very meaningful and very beautiful. And it was it was the step 12 in, in the okay. AA program, really giving back. Yeah. Now, it was it sort of came naturally to me. I'm, I'm always, I mean, that's why I'm a doctor. I want to help others. Yes. But uh, it, it was a big learning curve to carefully speak out and you expect negative things to come back. And I cannot recall really a single time when I opened my heart and shared my story that there was any negative repercussion. On the contrary, right. it was always a very positive, mm -hmm. wow, I, uh, so nice that you did, that you got through that, or, hey, tell me, how did you deal with that? Or, hmm, interesting, I know exactly what you're talking about, my father went through that, etc. So it was, it is, I gained a much higher standing in many people's eyes than I had before. So therefore it was actually opening up became a very positive thing. It's still embarrassing. It's still, there are still emotions. Even nowadays, there's the little voice sitting on my shoulder here, the little devil says, oh, you, you know, you get these negative emotions coming through that, that you want to shy away from. You don't want to speak out. You don't want to do that. Oh my God, someone will take offense to what you're saying, or et cetera, et cetera. So there is always this temptation that, that uh, it would be easier and more comfortable if you just keep your mouth shut. The reality is with that, you do not change your own life and you do not get the chance to change other people's lives. I think I've gone through so much shit in my life. I've gone through so much trauma that I want to make it meaningful. And now over the last year, I have found my voice. I have found the courage to get up and shout it from the rooftops mm -hmm. to, and I'm not shouting, oh, look, that was great times when I was lying in the gutter and couldn't remember a oh. thing. Uh, it's, you're right. not talking about the negative things. You're, you're talking, yes, I've been in the gutter, but look how I got up and dusted myself off. And it's that journey, it's that transformation that I want to show others. Yes. And that's these are the, the people that I bring onto my show, A Different Life Story. Mm -hmm. These are all transformations that, that where people speak up about those things that were very hard for them and teach us the lessons, yes. uh, how they went about to deal with the trauma. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, it's so beautiful. In this journey, I, every day I meet new people. And in all fairness, I have sometimes felt far closer connected to my guests on my show than I have to many of people that I met and worked with, for example, for many years. Mm -hmm. Just because we are talking such deep, honest, stuff exactly. it's it's like a brotherhood of right. people who have gone through pain mm -hmm. and are now sharing their story it's a very powerful yes. uh, brother and sisterhood yes it, it really is and i can attest to that having listened to a number of your shows and having been your guest it is very very powerful and again for listeners that's a different life story with stefan neff now, that's a rebranding, a different life mm. story. You had a different title before. That's a, Let's talk about the rebranding of this. Okay. Yeah. So simple. My Steps to Sobriety, that was initially the name of my book. And it made sense mm -hmm. that my podcast, my YouTube channel, and all my social media should be yeah. the same. Yeah. So, and 
it made sense for about a fortnight or a month. Okay. Uh, and then very quickly, very quickly, did I realize when I approached people, um, well, first of all, when you start a podcast, how do you find your guests? Well, you go onto discussion forums on the internet. There are uh, great places out there where people hang out and put themselves out there. Hey, this is me. This is my story. Uh, this is my strength. Would you like me to be a guest on your show? So on, on these kind of, of places, I found fantastic people. So I got in touch with them. But uh, initially, actually, I had a few people say, look, uh, sobriety is not really my thing. Alcohol was not really an issue. Mm-hmm, Addiction right. is not my story. My yeah. story is PTSD. My okay. story is anxiety. My mm-hmm. story is that I focus on, on LGBT or on teens. Yes. And I thought, right. OK, yeah, well, that's what I want to talk about. That's because I'm talking. I want to talk about the reasons why people drink, the reasons why people do stupid things. So I want to explore the trauma ultimately uh, in there. So that was my intention. And I found that the title of my show was getting in the way to that. Or I found myself apologetic when I approached people said, don't get hung up on on the title of my story. What I really want to talk about is, and therefore a different life story is far more fitting as a name with regards to the transformations that I explore. Now, many of my guests have had addiction as sure. part of their trauma, as part yeah. of their journey, but it's for sure not, not defining them. And uh, some of, or many of my, my uh, guests nowadays are, uh, I invite them specifically for the trauma that they have gone through and how they are now healed or how they are still healing how they have transformed because this yeah. is the, the these are the lessons from which we can learn and then once you focus on that the alcohol seems to just drop away it is i don't i don't get any more any more urges i don't get any more cravings Good. Mm-hmm. it was i mean this weekend i went away for a competition a shooting competition and uh with my son and we basically were out on a paddock in a field the whole day in the sun and it was most beautiful it was good workout and we were overheated sweaty and of course afterwards as men do, it was typically many men there. You mm. open a beer and right. you talk talk shit, and it's just <laughs> it's beautiful. So this was one yeah. of the few times when I looked back and I saw the condensation on the beer bottles running down. I thought, okay, I could do with a beer, but it was more the bonding. It was more the the, the being right. together as men sharing sharing a hobby and a competition in this case, and it was it was it was amazing. But I I looked at that in a positive way. This okay. was not the the craving the oh right. I need that beer, so it was mm-hmm. interesting. So no, it was the only time now for many many months that I had thoughts of alcohol. Oh okay. That is wow. that is what I'm saying to you guys mm-hmm. out there. If you listen to that, because you're still in a, in in, uh, in in your own addiction, if that still plays a, a, an important role, um, it is only now. And if you put the actions in, if you put the mindfulness in, if you put all that in, and do every day the right steps, the right the right decisions, very mm-hmm. soon your life changes in a, such a way that suddenly you forget that alcohol is out there or that the pee is out there, or the cannabis, or right. the sex, or the eating, or the gambling, whatever your addiction is. Mm-hmm. It is, yeah. as I said, the past does not equal the future, but you can't just switch it off with a light switch. You need to do the work. And right. that's the, the key message I wanna send out there, guys. You can do it, guys. You, mm-hmm. there's, if, I, if I'm a Muppet for crying out loud, if I can do it, you can do it. Yeah, that's that's a very powerful message, and I know that there are people out there listening that need to hear that right there. So thank you for sharing that and everything that you've shared here on the show today. If people want to find out more information about you or to to chat with you, perhaps to be a guest on your show, how would people reach out to you and get a hold of you? 
Um, thank you very much for pointing towards the rebranding, um, because we, I'm literally it's the, the in January here. I've made a call to to give it a new name. So mm -hmm. some of the the stuff on the internet is still labeled "My Steps to Sobriety." Yes, but if you were to give that in as a as "Hey, I want to be on My Steps to Sobriety," unfortunately, you will you will not find much. So a different life story is the handle uh, that you want to, uh, to look out for. And please uh, look at the YouTube channel, A Different Life Story. The podcast is out there on all the, all the platforms that you can imagine. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me, you can do that via LinkedIn. Uh, you can do that as a messenger to Stefan Neff. So I'm very happy to, to be approached. I'm very happy to, to, to share some insights there but i do not i'm not a life coach okay i am not a counselor i i was a pain physician in the past mm -hmm. and as okay. a pain physician i i was dealing with a lot of suffering a lot of chronic pain and i must say that there was a lot of transference that i took on a lot of the pain of my my clients of my patients and ultimately it ate me up it it uh, destroyed me i let it destroy me okay i didn't have the, the the support so therefore i make now the point of not uh giving coaching sessions or anything like okay yeah but what i do what i do do is give you an honest an honest talk an honest hey look you know this is what happened to me so I'm very open with my story and let you learn the lessons uh, from that. And the lessons are in my book, My Steps to Sobriety. Okay. So it is, mm -hmm. uh, is a, a, a lovely book, may I say. Well, you should never blow your own trumpet for crying out loud. But, well, I um, think that you the, should. <laughs> <laughs> the, Why not? The, the, the first half is, uh, is really about the, my journey and the 12 steps. Uh, in the AA program, but I've I've translated yeah. it into a modern language, and it hopefully gives meaning without people getting hung up on the words God or or or, or other kind of stumbling sure. stones that sure. traditionally went away. But the okay. second half of the book is all about you dealing with the challenges in your life, because there are so many challenges from from financial trouble to relationship trouble to toxic people in your workplace to depression, anxiety. Well, I'm talking about all of them and in, in this book and you get sort of uh, an introduction and then an action plan, what okay. I would yeah. do if mm. I had a toxic person at oh, work. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. What would I do? How do I recognize an anxiety attack? How do I recognize uh, a depression? And mm -hmm. what would you do about it? So we're talking some very honest and frank, uh, frank topics in there. I love that. Okay. And it is a book that hopefully helps a lot of people out. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I, I love that there's a practical component. There's situations mm -hmm. in there. What would you do with a toxic person? And again, the title is My Steps to Sobriety. Yes. Uh, and I really invite the listeners to check that out and to check out the podcast, give that a listen, a different life story. It is, having been a guest, a very powerful show. And I very much appreciate your willingness to hold that space for people to go deep and to have what can only be considered a cathartic experience talking about it as you experienced as i experienced writing this chapter and again the book that we're referring to here break down to wake up which is available anywhere that you buy books ebook and paperback worldwide and you can find stefan's chapter in breakdown to wake up great read and i highly highly recommend it so stefan this has been a really wonderful experience and it's been a pleasure and an honor to have you on the show here today before we wrap up is there anything else that you would like to add for your listeners it is so important to realize that whatever 
happened up to this point in your life is in the past. Mm. You cannot do anything about it. So therefore, it is time to move forward. I don't say forget the past. You need, you have got a duty to learn from it. Yes. And that is with regards to your own actions, as well as historically, with regards to the, the actions of my forefather being German, uh, Nazis, mm. uh, the Holocaust, mm. all these kind okay. of things. That is right. an example where I have got a duty to learn from the past. I also see that as a man, you have a duty to learn the lessons and then to hand them on and you can do that right now right now but you're actually listening here you have already made a choice you have already taken action and that is incredibly powerful you made the first step you know how do you walk 10,000 miles well you put your right foot forward and congratulations you have already done that you have started your journey right. without actually knowing yes. so therefore okay. now at the moment you 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 stop listening you can make the next choice for example we all are dehydrated like crisps why not have a big glass of water just for shits and giggles that's your next choice <laughs> why not yes. then say oh i could have a quadruple cheese pizza or i could have that yummy chicken breast with shit lots of broccoli and and yummy things with a good sauce Hmm, there is another choice yeah. and so on and so on. Make those choices. Mm -hmm. You are in control. No yeah. one is pushing you. Yes. Well, wrong. People are pushing you. Situations are pushing you, but you have got choices. Sure. Take yes. them, make them consciously and mm -hmm. make your world a little bit better. One action at a time. And you have no idea where you end up. This path that is waiting for you guys is so beautiful. Yes. So gorgeous. Mm -hmm. You can't see it yet, I assure you, because you have no idea what the future brings. But, but I give an inkling. I give you, give you the, the idea. Listen to my voice. Listen to that passion. This, this has, this is not something that I'm making up. This is something, this is an energy ball that wants to explode out of my chest. Yeah. And I invite you to come onto this path and experience that because it will happen to you if you keep making the right choices in your life. So come on this path. Don't give up. Don't resign yourself to the misery and mess that maybe your life is right now. No, take the action, take the steps, learn from others, find, find your tribe that gives you the success that the success chances that you deserve be find a power team in other words be the stupidest person in your team so if you struggle with regards to i don't know in your job if you want let's say you make a restaurant you want to be a restaurateur you have no idea about a restaurant well what would you do you would get a maitre in the front of the house who, mm -hmm. who has done that a bit before. You have a chef who knows what he's doing, an accountant who knows what he's doing. Find the people. And now in your life, do the same thing. If you are full of trauma, talk to a counselor, talk sure. to a psychologist. Yeah. Um, find the people that can help you to address the grief that is left there. Address the abuse that you might have suffered in your in your childhood address all those things yeah and these are all actions with which you can suddenly deal with things and move on yes move on towards a better life mm -hmm. the life that you've deserved yes uh, the, everyone has deserved and it's waiting for you and like you put it it's beautiful and it's a choice that we make a decision moment by moment so Stefan, thank you so much for taking the time to join me here on the show today. This has been wonderful. And listeners, I invite you to check out the podcast, A Different Life Story. Very, very powerful. And if you are out there listening, if you know of people that would benefit from listening to Stefan's show, please send them the link, encourage them to download the show, encourage them to visit YouTube, A Different Life Story, and get the in-depth, raw sharing from 
people all over the world. It's a very powerful platform. And I'm so happy that you're taking the time out of your life and your energy to help people with this and to encourage them to take that next step. So thank you so much for joining me today. This has been a pleasure. Pleasure is all on my side, and it was an honor to to work with you as a co-author on our Breakdown to Wake Up, as well as now I have this beautiful uh, relationship with you that we can collaborate and can make this world a little bit of a better place, one interview at a time. Yes, uh, it is. The world needs it right now, so I'm I'm, I'm honored to have been on your show. Thank you oh, so very much. much. Yeah, this has been a pleasure, and I look forward to future collaborations and doing this again it is a lot of fun all right <laughs> this has been dr stefan neff here on decide to transform thank you for tuning in have a beautiful rest of your day